Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Chris Shandro. I'm the pastor at Compass, and uh, thank you for joining me. Now, we've got a lot to cover today. So, so let me tell you, one of the things that I think is really important for us when we read the Bible is that we understand the context, the background, and the history of what we're reading. Because when we understand when parts of the Bible were written, why they were written, and who they were written to, it helps us to better understand what the Bible has to say to us. And that's important because the Bible was not written to us. It may be for us in the sense that that's how God chose to reveal himself to us, but reading the Bible is not like reading a letter that was addressed directly to us. It's more like intercepting a letter that was written to someone else and then trying to understand what the writer's talking about with this other person. Now, what's cool about asking questions and interrogating the text when we read the Bible is that doing that opens up new ways for us to understand what it's saying. And sometimes what we find can be fun and inspiring. Sometimes what we find is convicting and challenging. And then other times, it's like watching an R-rated movie with your parents when an unexpectedly graphic love scene comes on. And what we find is awkward and uncomfortable. And I just want to give you a fair warning. That's what today is going to be. Awkward and uncomfortable. Because, and again, fair warning. If your kids are watching this with you, today's message is definitely going to veer into TVMA territory for language, violence, and sexual situations. Because today, we're going to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. For the record, this is not a subject I chose for any specific reason. This was not my idea. As a church, we're working our way through the book of Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 10, as Jesus is preparing to send his disciples out on their own, he brought up Sodom and Gomorrah. So if you want to blame anyone for this message, take it up with Jesus. But we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 14 to begin with. And Jesus said this, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. So Sodom and Gomorrah in the ancient Jewish world, they were examples of the most evil cities and the most evil people that had ever been. And they were also examples of God's judgment because God destroyed those towns because of their wickedness. So saying a town was like Sodom was a pretty harsh statement, and it meant that its people had fully rejected God and were going to face judgment. And it sounds as if Jesus is telling his disciples that anyone who rejects the message of the kingdom of God in Jesus is worse than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if that's true, we should know what the people of Sodom and Gomorrah did. Because if rejecting the kingdom of God in Jesus is worse than the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, then we should know what that sin is. And to be totally honest, right up front, it doesn't take much to know what the traditional church view of this is. And and the traditional church view is probably best summed up in this sentence from the Bible Answers website, gotquestions.org. And they say this, Sodom and Gomorrah serve as a powerful example of how God feels about sin in general and homosexuality specifically. So in short, according to Got Questions and according to many in the church, The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality. 
And this is not a controversial viewpoint in much of the evangelical church. In fact, it's an interpretation that's been passed down through churches and families for generations. And if it's true, what does that mean for us? And if it's not true, what is the sin of Sodom? Well, like the good Bible investigators that we are, we want to get to the heart of things by asking questions and interrogating the text. So let's go to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah as it is recorded in the book of Genesis. So again, Sodom and Gomorrah were these two cities that were destroyed by God in Genesis chapter 19 when he rained fire down on them because of their wickedness. But the story of Sodom and Gomorrah actually begins one chapter earlier in Genesis 18 with Abraham. And, and, and one day as Abraham is sitting at the entrance of his tent, it's the hottest part of the day, these three strangers show up. Now, as was customary in the ancient Mideast to offer hospitality to travelers and foreigners, uh, and, and again, it was because it was a nomadic culture and it was assumed that at some point, everyone was going to need the hospitality that they offered to others, offered to themselves at some point. So because of this culture of hospitality, Abraham, he gave them water to wash their feet, he prepared a top-notch meal for them, and he offered them shelter for the night. Now, after these men had finished eating, they revealed to Abraham that they were angels sent from God. And this is what they said in Genesis 18, 20. Um, so the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going to go down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. Now, we don't know what it is yet, but whatever is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah is so bad that God has heard an outcry from people for help. Whatever it is that is happening in Sodom and Gomorrah has caused people to cry out to God. Now, because this story we're talking about is so long, I just want to continue to summarize what happens for you. So two of these angels, they continue on to Sodom to prepare for its destruction. And when they walk into the entrance of the city, they see a man named Lot, who is actually Abraham's nephew, sitting in the entrance. Now, Lot, also believing, like his uncle, in the value of hospitality that was in their culture, and in a near mirror image of what Abraham did, he welcomes what he thinks are just these two foreigners into his home to wash their feet, to get some food, and to have shelter for the night. But then things take a really dark turn. And in Genesis 19, verse 4, says this, Before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Now this is where uh, many of us would stop and we would say, well, I mean, that says it all, Chris. I mean, clearly the sin of Sodom is homosexuality. But let's keep going because things in this story are actually going to get even darker. Because in addition to the culture of hospitality that's at play in this story, there's another cultural force at work here. And that's the culture of patriarchy. Because these men were under Lot's protection and because it was much more shameful for a man to be sexually assaulted than a woman to be assaulted because of patriarchy, Lot offers to give the mob his two virgin daughters rather than give up his male guests. 
Now, this is tough to read because often when we read the Bible, we're looking for good guys to identify with and bad guys to not be like. And we want things clearly black and white. But there aren't many good guys here in the story. And the Bible sometimes is complicated because the human beings whose story it tells were complicated. But either way, Lot's offer of his daughters to the mob didn't work. In fact, it just made the mob even angrier. Look at what they said in 199. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge? We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. So I want you to notice something here that is going to be really important later. The men of Sodom thought Lot was harboring two foreigners. And when Lot wouldn't give them up, the mob is even more outraged because Lot himself is a foreigner, an outsider, who now in their eyes is acting like their judge. So they start trying to break the door down to get into the house. Now at this point, the angels, they reveal themselves and they blind all of the men of Sodom. And then they rush Lot's family out of town before they destroy it. And they said this in verse 13, they said, for we are about to destroy the city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff that we just crammed. <clears throat> so in light of that, let me point out a few things as we try to understand the sin that caused Sodom's dis destruction. So first, it's been mentioned twice that there is a great outcry against the city that reached the Lord. There were people who were somehow being hurt so badly that God heard their pleas for help. And as a result, God decided to destroy Sodom. In fact, God had already decided to destroy Sodom before the events of this story even took place. Now, this is just me, but I don't think that consensual same-sex relationships would cause people to cry out to God for help like that in a way that would cause God to destroy the city with fire from the sky. Now, you could make the case that sexual assaults and rape of the same sex were rampant in the city and that they could make the city destruction worthy, which in my opinion probably would. But whatever it was that was happening in the city, it caused people to cry out to God and it caused God to want to destroy the city in advance of this story even happening. There's a second thing worth noticing, and it's the emphasis that the writer puts on foreigners and outsiders. The men of Sodom saw the two angels as foreigners. They saw Lot as a foreigner. Now, why is that an issue that was worth mentioning here? I think the fact that these men were foreigners is actually the motivating factor for what the men of Sodom did. And let me show you this by going back to the first time that Sodom is mentioned in the Bible. And let's jump back to Genesis chapter 14. <clears throat> in verse 1, it says, About this time a war broke out in the region. King Amraphel of Babylonia, King Arioch of Elisar, King Keterlomer of Elam, and King Tidal of Goyim. Try saying those names fast. They fought against King Bera of Sodom, King Bersha of Gomorrah, King Shanab of Adma, King Shemaber of Zebulim, and the King of Bela, also called Zor. I need a drink of water after all those names. The second group of kings joined forces in Siddim Valley, that is the Valley of the Dead Sea, 
Because for 12 years, they had been subject to King Kederleomer, but in the 13th year, they rebelled against him. Okay, let me translate. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were conquered subjects of a foreign king. They had been under the thumb of a foreign invader for 12 years. And apparently for them, things were so bad that they finally decided to rebel, to fight back and to go to war so that they could be free. And look what happened when they rebelled in that 13th year. It says, Then the rebel kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Bela, also called Zoar, prepared for battle in the Valley of the Dead Sea. As it happened, the Valley of the Dead Sea was filled with tar pits. And as the army of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, some fell into the tar pits, while the rest escaped into the mountains. And the victorious invaders then plundered Sodom and Gomorrah and headed for home, taking with them all the spoils of war and the food, food supplies. So what we see here is that the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah rebelled against the nations that had conquered them, but their rebellion failed. Their cities were sacked again and they lost again to foreign invaders. Imagine what being conquered and ruled over by foreigners must do to the psyche of a place. I mean, right now, Ukraine used to see Russians as cousins, as like two related nations. But how do you think the people of Ukraine will view Russia after having been invaded? Do you think they're going to welcome Russians into their country? Or do you think they might view Russia and Russian citizens with a little bit more skepticism and maybe even hostility, host hostility words, even hatred? The people of Sodom had good reason to suspect and hate foreigners. They had a good reason to do everything they could do to discourage foreigners from coming anywhere near their city. And having a reputation for sexually assaulting foreigners would do that. And as vile as it is, rape is something that was often used in the ancient world during times of war or conflict to humiliate and shame your enemies. Rape and sexual assault is still something used today in war and conflict because there's nothing sexual about it. It's about power, humiliation, and dominance. And as the picture fills in, we can begin to understand why corrupt and evil people who have a chip on their shoulder about foreigners might stoop so low as to sexually assault foreigners who are just passing through their towns. Did it happen because every man in Sodom was gay? Not likely, in my opinion. There would really have to be something in the water for every man in that city to be gay, for that to be the case. But did it happen because every man in Sodom wanted to humiliate all foreigners? To spread the word of their dominance and show that they should never be messed with again? I think that's more likely. And all of this background it fills in the picture of what was actually happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. But there's actually still another way to understand what the sin of Sodom actually was, because the Bible references it more than a dozen times in other places. And, and it references it no more clearly than in, in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 through 50. Ezekiel says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. What was the sin of Sodom? I mean, as if someone had specifically asked him that question 
Ezekiel answers it directly. This was the sin of Sodom. They were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned with the needs of other people, people who are hurting and in need. And just to make it super clear, Ezekiel shows us exactly how those internal type sins played out externally in the real world. And it played out with them not helping to care for the poor and needy. It's interesting that Ezekiel doesn't mention their massive lust or sexual desires. He didn't say that their inner sin played itself out in same-sex sexual activity or even rape. Rather, they didn't take care of the people who were hurting and in need. Interestingly, in all of the references to Sodom and Gomorrah in the rest of the Bible, homosexuality is never mentioned in relation to their sin. Not once. Isaiah, he brings a similar description when he compared the people of Israel to Sodom and Gomorrah in the first chapter of his book. And in verse 10 through 17, it says, Listen to the Lord, you leaders of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, people of Gomorrah. He's talking to the people of Israel. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. And get what he says here. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Why did Isaiah think that the people of Israel were acting just like Sodom and Gomorrah? Because they were cruel and uncaring toward the marginalized. They didn't seek justice. And instead, they participated in oppressing outsiders. They didn't defend the cause of orphans or fight for the rights of widows. And this is where it all comes together for us. Because there's a takeaway that the church of today needs to hear. And it's this. Fear motivates us to create and abuse outsiders. Fear. The people of Sodom, as violent, cruel, and selfish as they were, they were afraid. They were afraid of foreigners and outsiders. They were afraid of invasion. They were afraid that what they had was going to be taken away from them. And if they didn't protect it, it would, be, it would be overrun by the poor, needy, and marginalized. They were afraid that it would show weakness and cause them to lose everything all over again. And that fear motivated them to identify certain people as outsiders. And that fear, it drove them to abuse and marginalize those outsiders. The sin of Sodom has nothing to do with homosexuality and everything to do with being gluttonous, fat, happy, and unconcerned about the needs of others. And while they may have been the most vile and cruel in their expression of that sin, we can still find the roots of it in ourselves today. And it's, it's, it's ironic, actually. I say that the sin of Sodom has nothing to do with homosexuality, but it actually does. Because the sin of Sodom is still alive and well in our churches. Our fear of LGBTQ people in the world, it has caused us to do the exact same thing that Sodom and Gomorrah did, to identify them as outsiders, to marginalize them and isolate them outside of our communities, and to abuse them with our arrogance and lack of concern. Because fear motivates us to create and abuse outsiders. Fear of their difference, fear of their values, fear of a changing world. I mean, fear of immigrants causes us today to scream, build a wall to keep, keep them from coming. 
Fear of losing our control to minorities causes us to go into grocery stores in black neighborhoods to kill people of color. Fear of not having enough for ourselves causes us to hoard what we have and withhold our resources from the poverty-stricken, from the orphaned, from the drug-addicted, the homeless, and the mentally ill. The real sin of Sodom was the fear of others expressed in cruelty, violence, arrogance, and an overall lack of concern. And I think the sin of Sodom is alive and well in our churches and in our world. But I can say this for certainty. It will not be alive and well in our church. I am certain that there are many, many people who will disagree with this interpretation, with my interpretation of Sodom and Gomorrah's story. And that's okay, because there's plenty of room in the church for people who disagree on secondary issues. You will not be made an outsider for having a differing view on secondary issues in our church. But loving our neighbor as ourselves is not a secondary issue. Caring for orphans and widows in their distress is not a secondary issue. Putting people who were created in the image of God over ourselves and valuing their human dignity just like Jesus did is not a secondary issue. And I'll just close with just these last questions to help us identify if the sin of Sodom has taken root in our lives. So first, ask yourself this. Do I help the poor and needy stand for the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, and fight for the rights of widows? Second, do I let fear motivate me to create and abuse outsiders? Whatever your answers are to that today, may our answer tomorrow and the next day and every day beyond always be that we will love our neighbor is ourself. And before I close, let me just speak to you. If you are someone who feels like you've been made an outsider, or you feel like you've been marginalized in the church, because the church has traditionally been afraid of people who are like you. Maybe you're part of the LGBTQ community. Maybe you immigrated from another country. Maybe you have different doctrinal beliefs on, on different things that are secondary or tertiary issues. If you've ever been marginalized or made an outsider by the church, just hear it from me. I am sorry. I apologize on behalf of the church and I ask you to give us another chance because you are not hurt by Jesus. You are hurt by people and Jesus's arms are always open to you and to everyone else. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.